0: Please turn with me once again to Revelation chapter 7, portion we've been in for quite a number of weeks now, dealing with the subject of heaven, those who are there, how they came to be there, what they're doing there, and what the Lord will yet do for them there. In verse 17 of Revelation 7, the Bible says, For the Lamb, which of course is the Lord Jesus Christ, The Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. It's that phrase shall lead them unto living fountains of waters that I want to consider with you today. The various mentions of water and rivers and living springs uh, forms an interesting study in Scripture. In the early part of the Bible, away back in Genesis chapter two and verse 10, mention is made of a river which went out of the Garden of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. It's interesting as we go further in scripture, in the book of Psalms, in the great Psalm 46 and verse 4, the Lord tells us, there is a river, the stream, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high. Again, mention of a river. Come all the way over to Revelation chapter 22. And you will see there in verse 1 that it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And then in the verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst Come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. So, all of these mentions of rivers and streams and water of life and living water are all very significant. Once again, we could turn to the Psalms, Psalm 104, verse 10, where it says, He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. There you have again the mention of springs of water or living water or living fountains of waters. And the fact that this is connected with the experience of the glorified ones in heaven is certainly of some significance. It says of those that are in glory that the Lord will lead them, the Lamb will lead them unto living fountains of waters. Now for me, their being led by the Lamb to living fountains of waters is an indication of the greatness of the blessings laid up in store for them in heaven. That's what's being indicated here. It's not just that there are actual waters. It's not just that there's an actual river or a spring. But this is an indication of the blessings that the Lord has for the glorified saints. And so I want us to note some lessons from the living springs of heavenly waters. What is this telling us? What are we meant to learn from this that's spoken concerning heaven? Well, first of all, I want you to think about water and the support of natural life. Water and the support of natural life. Living waters, or the water of life, if you like, both have both natural and spiritual application. Water, literal water, is necessary. It's essential for physical life. And spiritual water is necessary for spiritual life. Now, we'll come to the second of those in due course. But first of all, let's think about water and the support of natural life. Water is absolutely essential for the support of physical or biological life. I'm sure you already knew this. Our bodies have cells that have to be kept in a state of homeostasis. I don't know if you've ever heard that word before. Homeostasis. It is defined, at least in one medical journal, as the state of balance within all physical systems needed for a body to function properly and survive. So homeostasis is a state of balance within the body and it includes moisture, liquid, water. Now we have a thirst mechanism. There are various times that you will feel thirsty during the day, maybe you're out working in the yard and you really get thirsty and you have to come in for a good cold drink or if you have it with you, you're downing a whole bunch of water because the thirst mechanism given to us by our Creator is something that ensures that human beings maintain their water balance. We all know about the effects of dehydration. Dehydration can be a really serious problem for your body. We need... Water, And everybody who's familiar with marathon running will know that race organizers of the 26-mile marathons always try to ensure that drinking stations are provided every few miles, every five miles or so it usually is. One medical journal maintains, quote, Water is absolutely essential for life as it forms nearly one quarter of body weight. It forms all the body fluids and is necessary for the formation of the secretions of the glands. The amount of water in the body is about 45 litres, nearly 12 gallons. It's amazing, isn't it? 30 litres are present inside the cells and 15 litres lie outside as extracellular fluid which is the tissue fluid and the plasma. If the body is depleted of fluid, the signs and symptoms of dehydration occur. Unquote. I didn't write that. That's from a medical journal. Water is essential. And extreme thirst is a terrible thing. I actually saw this at first hand on my dear wife after surgery. And eight days in ICU when she was totally sedated and unable to speak. When she first came around, she was absolutely parched. And she wanted something to drink. And they wouldn't allow her to drink. They would hardly even allow her to have that little sponge thing with the water inside her mouth because they didn't want her internal sutures to come apart they were afraid that might happen by ingesting liquid and the poor soul was in such desperation for water and she was literally crying out for water please, please give me water, please give me a drink I told her at one point I was going to go play soccer with the guys while she had a rest she said no no water, no soccer honestly, it was funny But it wasn't funny to her. It was deadly serious. She was so thirsty, it was unbelievable. And when they eventually gave her a little bit of water and then allowed her to drink, I've never seen such relief on a person in my life. Thirst is a terrible thing. Physical thirst. Because you see, water is necessary to sustain natural life. And our Lord Jesus himself quite literally experienced the full effects of water deprivation dehydration on the cross. Remember what he said, I thirst. Showing us his real humanity. Showing us that he felt absolutely what we feel in our bodies. So this is a very elementary point. But it's one that we should think about. Water and the support of natural life. But more importantly, secondly, I want us to think about water and the supply of spiritual life. See, water is essential for natural life, but water is essential, spiritual water, for spiritual life. Symbolically, we're talking here about water. Because the Bible often uses the universal commodity of H2O, water, as a picture or a symbol of eternal life and of salvation. Think of that lovely scripture in Isaiah chapter 12. Here's what it says in verse 2. And verse 3, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. With joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. This is the experience of being saved. It's like taking... A draught of water. And so when we come to Revelation 7, the living fountains of waters in heaven represents the ultimate source and origin of all spiritual life and blessing. Again, we see that lovely invitation in Revelation 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, come. Let him that hear us say, come. And let him that is a thirst, person that's thirsty, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. There's the offer of salvation. See from Zion's sacred mountain, streams of living water flow. God has opened there a fountain that supplies the plains below. They are blessed, ever blessed who its sovereign virtues know. The water of life. Now we talked about physical thirst. But there's a very real phenomenon of spiritual thirst too. Hence you have the invitation there which mentions let him that is a thirst come. You go back to the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 55 and you have that tremendous word in verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. It's talking about God's salvation. It's talking about spiritual thirst. And remember how the psalmist more than once referred to his own spiritual thirst. For example, in Psalm 42. The first two verses, as the heart, and that's a creature that's a bit like a deer or a gazelle. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Here's this animal, and it's been traveling along it's very thirsty it's weary it's looking for the water brooks it's looking for those places where the living waters are he says that's the way my soul pants after thee O God my soul thirsteth for God for the living God when shall I come and appear before God tell me do you know anything about this in your experience really thirsting for God Really seeking after the Lord in your heart. There's so many today who appear to have no thirst for the things of God whatsoever. But one upon whom the Lord is working will be thirsty. And Psalm 63 speaks of the same type of thing. Psalm 63 verse 1, O God, Thou art my God early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Here again is that spiritual thirst. My soul thirsteth for thee in a dry and thirsty land. You know that the blessing of God is something that is offered to those who are thirsty. The promise is in Isaiah 44, verse 3, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. See, the pouring out of water is synonymous with the pouring out of the Spirit. Now this spiritual thirst is created by God and it cannot be quenched except by God himself and with God himself. Notice the psalmist didn't say he was thirsty for God's blessings. He said he was thirsty for God himself. So many get so caught up with the gifts instead of the giver. They want to know the blessings Without knowing the benefactor, it is God that we must thirst after because only God can satisfy our thirst. Yet this morning, people everywhere, all over the place, right here in Walnut Port and beyond, they're trying to quench the thirsting of their souls with many different things that will never satisfy, even as the hymn we sang today suggests. Now, none but Christ can satisfy. You'll find that nothing in this world will satisfy the thirsting of your soul. I love that hymn, Fill My Cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. Fill it up and make me whole. That should be our attitude today. But there are many, and that's far from being their attitude they're trying to quench the thirsting of their souls with other things Jeremiah spoke about this Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 the Lord speaking about Israel he said for my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters notice that he himself is the fountain of living waters And hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. And I believe the hymn writer had that in mind when he said, I tried the broken cisterns, Lord, but ah, the waters failed. Even as I stooped to drink, they fled and mocked me as I wailed. Now none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus found in thee. You know that the full manifestation of spiritual thirst is seen in those who go to a Christless hell. Read Luke chapter 16 and those solemn words of the Lord Jesus Christ when he talked about Lazarus and the rich man who lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torments, We learn from that portion that hell is actually an endless spiritual thirst that is never satisfied. Think of those words of that rich man to Abraham. Talk about the fact that he was tormented. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus That he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Terrible picture of a man enduring eternal punishment. Hell is a place of endless spiritual thirst. And with that in mind we think about the Lord Jesus Christ and how that he bore the equivalent of hell for all his believing people on the cross. Isn't it interesting that The rich man was thirsty, and Jesus on the cross said, I thirst. Because he was enduring the wrath of God that was our due. He there on the cross was enduring in several hours an eternity of punishment for his people. But he thirsted that we might never thirst. He endured hell that we might never be in hell. And that's the glory of the gospel. So we think about water and the supply of spiritual life. We think then thirdly about water and the source of eternal life. Water and the source of eternal life. And we've already spoken about this. Life is in God himself. Life is in God's Son. It says in 1 John, this is eternal life. And eternal life is in his Son. In John chapter 17, it's made clear again that that is the case. This is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Life is in Christ. He's the source of eternal life. And the salvation that he provides is represented by the springs of living water. God promises to all who trust in him that they will never thirst, even as they travel through this barren wilderness of the world. Think of those great words that we often apply to revival in Isaiah 35. Turn there for a moment, Isaiah chapter 35. Verse 6 and verse 7. Isaiah 35, verse 6. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out. You wouldn't expect that. Don't expect waters in the wilderness. And streams in the desert. Mrs. Cowman wrote a couple of volumes of daily devotionals by that very title, Streams in the Desert. This is what the Lord provides. It says, verse 7, And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of dragons, where each lay, shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Here's the result of the pouring out of the water. Vegetation, greenery, freshness, growth. All of these things have a spiritual application. God is the source of life. And he is the one who alone abundantly provides for our needs, especially the needs of our souls for life giving water. The shepherd in Psalm 23 is seen not only to feed the sheep, because the very word shepherd means pastor or feeder. The Lord is my pastor, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my feeder. But also it says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, pastures of tender grass. He leadeth me where? Beside the still waters. Where there's refreshment for the soul. The thirst of man's soul can only be satisfied by the Lord himself. This is what men and women need. It was beautifully illustrated for us in the story in John chapter 4. The Lord Jesus was tired and he was thirsty. And he sat down by a well, Jacob's well. And long came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And this woman was as despised nationally as she was depraved personally. But the Lord Jesus didn't treat her badly. He didn't turn her away. He didn't say, I don't want anything to do with you as a Gentile or as one of mixed race, a Samaritan despised by Jew and Gentile alike. No, rather, He made a promise to her. You know what He said? Well, you can read it for yourself in John chapter 4 and verse number 14. Verse 13, Whosoever drinketh of this water, that's the water in the well, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, look at this, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. This is God's salvation. And we know that the source of eternal life is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Poor, sinful, fainting souls are freely welcome here, the hymn writer said. Salvation like a river rolls abundant, free and clear. Now the next time that the Lord Jesus made a declaration similar to that was in chapter 7, as we read earlier in our Bible reading. And this time it was not on a private occasion, one-on-one with a woman or anyone else, but in a public setting, perhaps in front of several thousand people. It was the time of the Feast of the Tabernacles in Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus was there. And John chapter 7 tells us that it was on the last day, verse 37, that great day of the Feast, the culmination of everything. You may or may not know that in the Feast of Tabernacles among the Jews on the last day of the feast, an elaborate ceremony was carried out by the priest. To a public cry of, Lord, give us rain, to ensure that farmers could plough their fields after the summer's hardening effect on the ground, and the other prayer, Lord, send us salvation. The priest would then draw a golden picture of water from the pool of Siloam. This would all happen when Jesus was there. Then returning to the temple with great ceremonial, the priest then poured that water out upon the horns of the great altar. And friends, it was at that exact moment that Jesus stood up and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And of course it was explained then in the next verse that this was what he spake about the Holy Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive. Both the timing of that and the immediate context of the declaration by Christ make it especially meaningful. This happened deliberately. Deliberately. The Lord Jesus knew what would happen that day. He knew what the ceremonial would look like. He knew about the water from Siloam that would be poured out on the horns of the altar. And just at that very time, he stood up and boldly and unashamedly told the people, I'm the source of everlasting life. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. It's not religion you need. It's Christ that you need. And the Lord spoke this about the Holy Spirit, which those who would believe on him would receive. That's a beautiful hymn, the one that was sung by my family members at the recent funeral. I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. One of the verses goes like this. I heard the voice of Jesus say, "Behold, I freely give. The living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live." And the sinner, the believing sinner, could answer, "I came to Jesus, and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. Has that happened to you? If you're saved this morning, you can rejoice that this is your experience. You've come to Christ for that living water, the source of eternal life, the only source of eternal life. And he has given it to you freely. And you should rejoice. One other thought here, and that is water and the springs of heavenly life. Revelation 7 and verse 17 is really the focus of our attention. The Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, and of course it's Christ, shall feed them. He's their shepherd. He will be a shepherd to them. And shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. This is what the Lord does for his people in heaven. They enjoy the springs of heavenly life. Our text speaks of them actually being led by the shepherd onto these living fountains of waters. In heaven, there is still, and in an even greater way for the saints, a desire for fellowship with God. See, here on the earth, we have that desire for fellowship with the Lord, if we're truly saved. If you haven't got that desire, there's something seriously wrong. But if you've even got a little bit of a desire for fellowship with God, this is nothing compared to what heaven will be like. Because there you will have an all-consuming, perfect desire for fellowship with God, and it will be satisfied because he dwells among his people. That desire that every believer has in glory is going to be totally satisfied in a way that they could only faintly glimpse while they were here on the earth. Because you see, they're going to continuously drink from the fountains of God. It's no mistake, of course, that verse 16 precedes these words. Because it begins... They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. No, they're not going to thirst anymore because the Lamb's going to lead them unto living fountains of waters. That desire is going to be constantly and continuously satisfied. There's no thirst because they are supplied by the living fountains of waters. Now what all that entails, I do not know but I just know that it represents the blessings of God, the eternal blessings. I suppose at least two things could be said about the springs of heavenly life. They represent a fellowship that is enjoyed. You know, there are times here on the earth when the Lord draws near to us in a special way, and those are memorable times. And we have fellowship with him. We get the word down. And we read the word and there's, there's something that really speaks to us. And we pray over that word. And the Lord draws near to us. Maybe we're in a time of difficulty, a time of trouble. And he just gives us the very word that we need. Lord, help me. Give me a word. Speak to me. And you read it right there in the word. And it comforts your heart and it blesses your soul. That's the Lord fellowshipping with you. But in heaven, it's going to be so much better than that. There's a fellowship that is enjoyed because the Lamb dwells among them. He leads them to the fountains of waters, and He's with them forever there. They're in His presence all the time. You know, sometimes here on earth, we feel like we're in the Lord's presence, and then we're not in His presence. Of course, we're always in the Lord's presence. But as far as a felt reality is concerned, there are times when we don't really feel it. And we have to faith it. That's what you do. When you don't feel it, you faith it. You believe it anyway. Even if you're not feeling it. But oh in heaven. They'll feel it. The enjoyment of fellowship with Christ that is unbroken. That is unhindered. That is uninterrupted by human sin. And by the machinations of the flesh. See that's what happens to us here below. The flesh gets in the way. Our own sins become a barrier between us and fellowship with God. And there's there's a distance between us. And we have to get that sorted out. We have to get that dealt with by confession. The saints in heaven will never have to confess their sins. No one in heaven will have to confess their sins. And that's why it's futile in any case for someone on earth to pray for someone who has departed that their sins might be forgiven because they're already forgiven if they're truly saved. And if they're not truly saved, it's too late. Oh, there's a fellowship enjoyed the springs of heavenly life, but there's also a fullness that is experienced. That which is beyond our imagination here on the earth. The Lord tells us in his word in Psalm 36 and verse number 8. Speaking here of God's people, they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. And look at this. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures, for with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. This ultimately is fulfilled in glory. This is what heaven is all about. There is a fullness that is experienced there that cannot be experienced on the earth. And the hymn that we sang earlier puts it very well. And when with the ransomed of Jesus my head... From fountain to fountain I then shall be led. I'll fall at his feet and his mercy adore and sing of the blood of the cross evermore. Maybe I'm speaking to someone today or someone will hear this message later and you're still spiritually thirsty. You've never had that thirst quenched by the water of life. Well listen, the Lord Jesus Christ still offers you that water of life. If any man thirst. Isn't that a wonderful invitation? There are no conditions there. It's not of any convicted man, it's not if any man who feels bad, it's not with some condition attached to it. It is if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The invitation still stands. Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. There is a river that flows today for the satisfaction of the thirsty soul. And may the Lord cause sinners to avail themselves of it for his own glory. Amen.